So we've been in this series, The Other Side of But, and I won't get too much into that since this is the last week, but in case you haven't been here, kind of the big picture of it is, I said it a few weeks ago, it's like taking a coin and looking at the whole thing. It has heads, it has tails, but you're seeing both sides. You're seeing the big picture. Whatever topic it may be, whatever the message is, baited but hooked with temptation, dead but alive, we've had several. This morning it's going to be ready but waiting. It's ready, but waiting. And our main objective, our main goal this morning is to answer this one question. How do we live while we wait? As Christians, we're ready. But how do we live while we wait? And that in-between stage, that but stage. That's what we're going to try to answer this morning. Our focus scripture is going to be in 2 Peter 3, page 1265. If you're using the Bible, it's provided in front of you. But it's 2 Peter chapter 3. And we're going to basically preach right through that chapter this morning. I love to do that. I love, we are here to open God's Word and go right through it. That's what we're going to do. God is going to give us six points this morning that are powerful and that point us right to how to live right now, right here, while we wait, while we're ready but waiting. But before we do, beloved, it is time to get on board. I want to stir your minds here, Okay. When I say these words, what emotion comes over you? What comes to your heart when I say these words, okay? They're big words. You ready? Here we go. Rapture. Ooh, it got quiet in here. Yeah. Rapture. Yeah. Tribulation. Great tribulation. Wrath. Destruction. Return of Christ. Millennial kingdom. Reigning with Christ. What comes to your heart and your mind when I say those? Those are big words, big events, big impact, right? For some of us, that brings excitement and encouragement. For some, it brings fear and worry. See, big events, big implications for all of us. It applies to each and every one of us. What are we waiting on and how are we waiting? That's going to be our focus this morning. It's not going to be on the when. Um, as much as I would love to do a series on the end times events and give you all the answers we've all waited for, we're not, it's not going to be on the when. Because sometimes I feel like we can get caught up sometimes in communi- uh, calculating instead of communicating, right? As soon as you get on the when, it's like, I'm pre-trib, I'm mid-trib, I'm post-trib, everybody's got the answers, everybody interprets Scripture, right? That's not the focus this morning. The focus is on this. It's going to happen. God's Word says it's going to happen. What are you waiting on? And how are you waiting? That's what it's going to be. Because that's us today. When you think big events, think about it for a minute. I'll name some big events that have probably impacted some of us in here, most of us, hopefully all of us, at some point. A job. A big event of waiting for that job. If you've had a job in your life, you put in that application, you're waiting for that job. What, do you, what goes through your mind? Excitement? Nervousness? Bitterness? Nail-biting? You're waiting for that big event, that big phone call. A surgery for you or a loved one. What's it like sitting in that lobby, sitting, going nothing, waiting? Scary. Fear. Maybe relief that it's finally going to happen and be over with. And here's two more, and these kind of apply in another way to us this morning, okay? Marriage. The big event of marriage. You have the ring bought. That crown, that that jewel, the crown, the ring of marriage. And you're waiting for that event to slip it on the finger that big event to come. Brother and sister, are you as excited for the marriage feast that you have coming? 
for the crown, the jewel, the reward that's already been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ is going to be placed on you? Are you you excited for that to come as you are a physical marriage on this earth? I have another one for you. The birth of a child. That's a huge event. Children coming into this world. Think about that moment. Find out you're pregnant. That whole time we're ready. We're pregnant, but we're waiting. The time's got to play out. How are we when we're waiting for that? For children to come into this world. We're busy. We're preparing. We're working hard. Our house needs to be in order. The room needs to be in order. The big event's coming. We're excited. We're anticipating it. Are we that excited as children to go out of this world? Are we working, preparing? Is our house in order? Is the room in order? Are we exciting and anticipating it? Yeah, see, when I say these things, you can hear a pin drop in here right now because it's tension. It's spiritual tension. And that's good because that spiritual tension gets our attention. And that's what God wants this morning is our attention. Big events, big implications we're going to be talking about this morning. So as we do this, to kind of set the scene a little bit with Second Peter, I want to give you some similarities here of what we're living in as we think about all this and start to unfold this, okay? Look how familiar and similar this is as I do this, okay? Second Peter 3, he's writing to the believers. What are we? Believers. He's writing about scoffers then. They're scoffers now. He's writing about mockers then. There's mockers now. He's writing about opposition and how to live through all of that. People doubting the return of Christ thinking the world's always been like this and always will be. We face those exact same things today. So many similarities. So 2 Peter 3 is going to hit home for so many of us as we draw these six truths this morning on how we live while we wait. Ready, but waiting. Let's get in. Let's just dive right into 2 Peter 3. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. The day of the Lord will come. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. And both of them I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water, through water, by the Word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same Word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. I want to stop there for a moment. At the end of verse 7. I'm going to give you the first point this morning that God put on my heart. It has to do with a little bit of what Chris was talking about this morning of Scripture. See, the first point is, while we wait in readiness, we know Scripture and remember Scripture. While we are waiting, we know Scripture and remember Scripture. Let's draw that out of here and see why. For one, before we even draw it out, I want to, I want to tell you one reason why is repetition. Think about it. As soon as I said no Scripture, no Scripture, remember Scripture, you have to admit, you probably heard a thousand sermons about knowing the Bible, reading the Bible, studying the Bible. We hear it all the time, right? Why? Because it's that important. It's repetition. I'll make this make sense for you. 
You're walking around your house. You hear a song over and over and over again. What do you catch yourself doing it? Doing Singing it. Because it's in your head. It's ingrained in your head. You've heard it so many times. You, you think of your parents, and they say something over and over and over again, and you roll your eyes as a kid, and you say, I know, Mom. And you say what your mom would say. Why? Because she said it so many times, you know it. A child repeats what their parents say. They, say, they sound just like their father, just like their mother because they heard it so many times. It's repetition. That's what God wants. When we're in God's Word, and it's repetition to us, we know it. It's like second nature to us. We know it and remember it. So Peter is saying to them, and we're going to draw this right out of here. Watch this. He says, so this is now the second letter that I'm writing you, beloved. And in both of them, he's stirring up, kind of like we did our minds this morning. He's stirring up the, the minds of the beloved, their sincere minds by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of what? The holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Know Scripture. Know the Old Testament He's saying. Know what God's Word says about these things. Know what the apostles around you are saying about these things. Because when you remember and you know it, watch this. He says, first of all, the scoffers will come in the last days. The, old, the God's Word tells us this is going to happen. That's another reason we remember it. It's because we realize, we expect it. It's going to happen. God's Word says this is going to happen in the last days. And we know the last days began when Jesus ascended. We're in the last days. He says these things are going to happen. And they're going to follow their own sinful desires. And He says when you know Scripture, you know what the apostles are telling you. Not only do you know it's going to happen, it even tells you what they're going to say. Like God's Word tells us right here. What they're going to say. It says, they will say, where is the promise of His coming? I believe it when I see it. Another thing that was said in their day. I'm sure you've heard that phrase in our day, right? Believe it when I see it. For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. It's always been like this. Uniformity, they say. Hard word, but it's like uniformitarianism. I had to like pronounce that like six times as I was thinking about this because it's a long word, but it's uniformity. It's basically scoffers and mockers that say, it's always, we just read it, it's always been like this since the beginning of creation. It's the way it is now, it's the way it's going to be, like hedonism. Be you, live how you want, nothing really matters. It's the way it's always going to be. My grandpa told me this. Yeah, my father told me this. Brother Mark and I was just talking out in the lobby about how the world was going to end so many times. Why? Because everybody was too busy calculating it instead of communicating it about what's important. Just the fact that these events are going to happen, we're in the last days, and it could come any time. That's what's important. When you remember Scripture, we know this. We re it's repetition. We realize it. We expect it. But then also, a huge part of knowing and remembering Scripture is this. You can respond to the ridicule. You share truth. You don't just cuddle up and curl in a hole. You respond to the ridicule. And when you know Scripture, remember Scripture, we love our enemies. We love the scoffers. We're going to see in a minute that God wants the ungodly, the unbelievers to be saved. And He's not going to be slow. He's patient. We're going to read that in a moment. But that's why we share it. We've got to know truth so we can, we can share the truth. Let me give you some examples. He says, remember the holy prophets, right? The Old Testament prophets. Jeremiah Chapter 17, he says, Behold, they say to me, Where is the word of the Lord? Let it come. It's right there. Proverbs 19.29 speaks to what's going to happen to the scoffers. 
Condemnation is ready for scoffers and beating for the backs of fools. Brother Chris mentioned it this morning, and I had it as well. Psalm 1, the very first verse and the very first psalm. Blessed is the man who walks in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. It's all throughout the Bible. Speaking of the apostles around you, he mentions, in Acts, this is Paul himself speaking to the scoffers. He says, look you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe even if one tells it to you. Believe it when I see it. And then I love this one as another example. Jude, verses 17 and 18, listen to this. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It's all throughout Scripture. No Scripture. Because then when you, res- when you respond to the ridicule, you can say, no. No, it hasn't always been like this. You know in Genesis that God created everything good. You can explain that. You can explain that in Genesis 6, God tells Noah, this, this earth is corrupt. He sees it's corrupt. That the flesh has corrupted it. It's sin. All because of the flesh. So he says, there's going to be destruction. I'm going to get rid of it. Oh, it has not always been like this. It was created good. There was a flood. We just read about it, right? The water that was formed, that's what did it. You can explain that to them. You can explain that three chapters later in Genesis 9, where everybody in this world looks at a rainbow, and it's beautiful and pretty, and we smile and get giddy, and we're excited. To see, is giddy a word? Well, we get excited. We want to see the rainbow. We look forward to seeing the rainbow, right? Because it's beautiful and pretty. But you can explain to them the real meaning of a rainbow. That God put that rainbow as a reminder, an agreement, a covenant between this earth and Noah that He would never destroy it by flood again. That rainbow that we see, it has meaning to it. It's for a reason. But then you cannot, you don't end it there. Because that sounds terrible. But it also, that rainbow is a reminder for us as brothers and sisters in Christ of what? A fire. A fire to come. God said He would never destroy it by flood. But when we know Scripture, we know that it will be destroyed by fire. So the new heaven, the new earth, can come for us. It's flood, it's fire, but for you and me, it's a future dwelling in righteousness. That's the true meaning of a rainbow. Not this pretty little thing with a pot of gold, with a little leprechaun bouncing around. That's the meaning of a rainbow. And when we know Scripture, and there's scoffers and there's mockers, we can share truth. We respond to the ridicule. It's that important. It is a big deal. It's all throughout the Old Testament. Let us move on to point two. Point two, while we wait in our readiness, we not only know Scripture remember Scripture, but we work for the Lord. While we wait in readiness, we work for the Lord. I'm going to read verses 8 through 10 as we walk through this. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved." and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Now listen to all this burning up and dissolving. Sometimes things are right before our eyes, right? Think about it. 
at least nine countries possess nuclear weapons. The nuclear weapons that the U.S. and Russia possess alone is enough to do some major damage on this earth. And they cause fire. We have a core of the earth that is roughly 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. We get a taste of it when a volcano erupts. 9% hotter than the surface of the sun. I didn't realize that. The core of the earth is 9% hotter than the surface of the sun. So we have fire beneath us. Speaking of the sun, balls of fire above us. Fire below us. Fire above us. Contain weapons that cause fire and destruction. All around us. All that can be used to play a part in all of this happening. Through wars. Through human power doing it that God allows. But also the divine God. Balls of fire using the earth. He used the flood that was formed and created. He'll use fire that is formed and created. That's what Scripture tells us. All the dissolving. Being exposed. Laid bare. So that the new can come. But who does he focus on? Keep in mind the big picture here. Okay, Who is Peter talking about? Who is this for? This destruction and this wrath? The ungodly, it says. And this is about how we live knowing this. They say it's not coming. They don't believe in it. But it's coming, is what he says. And we work for the Lord. Now that's going to take some biblical algebra to get to working for the Lord out of this, okay? So follow me. If A, God wants more souls to be saved, why is He being patient? So that they don't perish. He wants more souls saved, right? So if A, He wants more souls saved, B, faith comes from hearing, C, we're called to make disciples of all nations. That equals D, that we have to share the gospel. We have to fulfill our ministry. We have to share the gospel with other people. Why? Because if you're called to make a disciple, they've got to be a Christian first. We're an instrument and a vessel to share the gospel. If B, faith comes from hearing, they've got to hear the gospel. God uses us to do that. And A, if God wants more souls saved, He's going to use us to share the gospel. So we work for the Lord. He's patient for that reason. Praise God He was patient and didn't send Jesus back 40 years ago, right? Because I would be a bad situation for me. So He's patient on my account for that. But He's also patient on my account so that others can be saved and souls can be saved. We work for the Lord. Now that's going to take service and sacrifice and submission and sanctification. But our Savior will work through it. While we're waiting... We work for the Lord. That was point two. And everything that it takes. And they, they scoff. They, they don't believe in these events. But notice that big but where he says, but the day of the Lord has come. He talks about being patient. But then he says, but it's coming. Now here's very important that you have to get this, okay? On this day of the Lord in verse 10. I have to talk about the day of the Lord for a moment. Because you don't want to miss this. I love this definition of it. I hope this helps you some, okay? Think of it like this. The day of the Lord is a time when the Lord personally intervenes to accomplish some specific purpose of His divine plan. Okay, Don't think of the day of the Lord as a 24-hour time period. Don't think of it as next Wednesday, this is going to happen. It's not a day, it's a time. Let me help it make sense to you. You have somebody and you say, oh, don't worry, their day will come. They'll get their day. We've heard that, right? You're not saying they're going to have one bad day. You're going to say their time's coming. Maybe you work hard at your job and you're like, that's okay. My day will come. You're saying, my time is coming. 
when we say there's going to be a day with no more tears, no more sorrow, no more suffering, that's not one day, brothers and sisters. We're saying there's a time coming. The day of the Lord is a time when these end time events are going to unfold. There's going to be rapture. There's going to be wrath. There's going to be destruction. There's going to be return of Christ. But there's also going to be the end of Satan, the end of the enemy. There's going to be a millennial kingdom. There's going to be a new heaven, a new earth where we as believers in Jesus Christ reign and dwell in righteousness. That's what God's Word's telling us. We work while we wait for the Lord. And the day of the Lord will come. These times will happen. What are we waiting on as Christians? We know. And if you're in here and you're not a Christian, I'm speaking truth to you right now because I love you. It's not good for you. But it don't have to be like that. But for us that believe in Jesus Christ, it is amazing peace that we, we should anticipate and be excited about. Just like that child, those children coming into the world, how excited we get. We can be excited. Let's move on to point three. While we wait in readiness, we live set apart and eager while we wait in readiness, we live set apart and eager. Okay? I want to look at verse 3. Or I'm sorry, that would be moving totally backwards. I want to look at verse 11. I know you don't want me to move backwards. I'll go with verse 11. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, like we just talked about, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in, in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. That's our third point this morning, as we live set apart and eager. It says lives of holiness. That's to live set apart. That's dedicated. A life of godliness is a behavior that matches your belief. And we're talking about how we wait. What's Peter say right here? You're waiting for how? Hastening. And you're waiting, you're hastening the coming of the day of God. That's eagerly desiring anticipating it, wanting, wanting to speed it up. Like we want to share the gospel to speed it up. God knows when. He knows when the last soul He wants saved before it, this all starts to happen, happens. But we play a part in that because we share the gospel. It's not like we speed it up to where the more people, quicker it comes. God knows when it's going to happen. But we do our part. Living set apart, dedicated. A behavior that matches our belief. Ready for it to come. I love... He's going to speak to Paul in a moment. And when you talk about things like how we live, knowing when I see that word dissolve and I think of these, these times happening, and all this unfolding, like big picture sense in my mind, how we're to live in this, the wrath, the destruction, but what's to come for us. Peter's going to actually mention Paul here in a little bit. And I want to go to Paul right now. You don't got to flip there. I'm going to read this for you. It's in 1 Thessalonians 4. Okay, and this is what Paul speaks to this, Okay. When all this begins to happen, this, this coming of the Lord and the day of the Lord, this is for the believer, okay? And in this day, just to put this in context for you real quick, the believer was concerned and worried about their loved ones that had died. Like, what, what happens to them? Are they going to miss out on all this? You know, how's this going to impact them? And Paul says, this is how he explains it to him. He says, oh, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven, with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead will actually, in, in Christ, will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up, snatched together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. 
He goes on to say, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord, here's Paul, the day of the Lord will come like what? Like a thief. What did Peter say? Like a thief. Paul says like a thief in the night. People are saying there is peace and security. Then sudden destruction will come upon them. Them, notice. As labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. For you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, being aware, being expectant. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So let us not sleep as others do, but let us be awake. Keep awake, be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. And here, don't miss this. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not wrath. See, God may send His church, His bride. You know, he may, we may go through discipline, but not through destruction. Discipline and destruction are two different things. It's for the ungodly. We know what's coming for us. We know what's coming for them. And I don't care what stance you take on the end times. You would agree that there's going to be a rapture. And you would agree that it's going to get bad. There's going to be wrath and destruction. We can all agree to that. That's not for us. We have an awesome thing coming. That's what we have. That's what we anticipate. That's what we're eager about. We live lives set apart, dedicated, matching our behavior. We anticipate it. We're eager for it. We await it. Our fourth point this morning, while we wait in readiness, and these last points, by the way, are going to come rapid, by the way. Be ready because they're going to come quick. They're very clear. Yes, we could have a whole series on one of these verses, but for the sake of time, they're going to come at you quick right now, but they're powerful. And they point right to how we live while we wait. Okay? Point four. While we wait in readiness, we know we will dwell in righteousness. While we wait in readiness, we know we will dwell in righteousness. God's word, Peter says, for us to draw this out. He says, but according to his promise. We talk about the promise of the rainbow. Here's a promise from God, and God keeps his promises. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. In which righteousness dwells. Let that sink in for a moment to you. Righteousness dwells. Does that give you joy? Is it well with your soul? Like the hymn we sang this morning. In his time, these things are going to happen. Is it well with your soul? Brother and sister, you're going to dwell in righteousness. This, this stuff don't have to have a negative tone for you. It needs to have a, a motivating, joyful tone that you want others to be saved. That's why he's patient. We need to get to work. We dwell in righteousness. We need to live like it. Involve others with it. Our fifth point this morning, while we wait in readiness, we make every effort so that we may be found pure and at peace. We make every effort. He says in verse 14, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting, once again, how are we waiting? Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by Him without spot or blemish and at peace. That be diligent there is every effort, making every effort. I have to ask myself, Josh, are you given 100%? Do I put things in the right place? Do I 
prioritize things right? Am I giving 75%, 80%? Or am I giving God my all because Jesus paid it all? Am I giving God my 100%, being diligent, making every effort to be found without spot or blemish, to be found blameless, to be found pure, to be found truly at peace with God? Am I truly at peace with God? And then for our last point this morning, he says, while we wait in readiness, we grow. While we wait in readiness, we grow. We're going to draw that out from verses 15 through 18. He says, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul, speaking of Paul, also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in in regards to some of these matters, which we kind of just read what Paul wrote regarding some of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other Scriptures. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. He's saying be stable, but grow. There it is, that sixth point. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Man, I have to ask you this morning. Are you here right now to grow? Are you really here right now? Did you show up out of habit and this is just what you do each week? Or is this kind of letting you self-examine and stir your mind this morning and be like, yeah, this is a day. I need a little wake up. I need woke up a little bit. I'm kind of sitting idle, sitting in that lobby that we talked about, waiting for the surgery, doing nothing. Are you in the field laboring? All the knowledge, all the grace, all the wisdom that we have, are we using it? Are we here to grow? Are we truly here to know Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, more and more? Do we hunger? Do we thirst for that? Is that why we're here? When I go through these six points and I self-examine myself and I bring this all together with all six of these, you talk about being ready, but how we're to wait? Ask yourself these as I ask myself these. Josh, do you know Scripture? Do I know Scripture? Do I have it readily available for me? Do I know where to find things in God's Word? Do I remember them for my situations? Do I remember them so I can share with other people? To, to share truth with them and not just let them think what they want. But share truth with them. Am I working for the Lord? And I don't mean just preaching every other Sunday. Am I working for the Lord Monday through Saturday? Am I, working, am I working in the workplace? Is God working in my heart and growing me? Am I set apart and eager? Am I getting drunk with people? Do I look different than those I hang around with that aren't Christians? Or do I say I'm a Christian but don't live it? A behavior that matches my belief. Do I really let it soak in and live my life with a joy that I'm going to dwell in righteousness, made right? Do I, do I have that joy and that peace that I know what's coming for me? A new heaven, new earth. Dwelling in eternity, reigning with Christ. And am I making every effort to show that 100% that I want to grow in Christ? That's six ways to wait while we're ready. Ready, but waiting. How are you, brother and sister? As we get ready to close, I'm going to read 2 Timothy 4, 5-8. You don't have to turn there. But I want you to think of yourself here, because Paul here, what he's doing... It's he's telling his brothers and sisters, he's telling his family in Christ, he's saying, this is what you need to do. 
this is what I want you to do. This is what God wants you to do. And then he's going to go on and talk about himself and what he is able to say. I love you so much, brothers and sisters. I want you to be able to say this. It's that important. Probably the most important thing. I want you to be able to say this. So as I say these words, open your heart right now and open your mind. Paul says, as for you, and these are the words to you this morning as well, as for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. That's for you and me. We work for the Lord while we're waiting. Paul goes on to say, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. The time of our departure may come. We may take, make, may take our last breath, or maybe God, Jesus will call us up. Whatever. Whatever comes first, it could come, and it could come at any time. But Paul's able to say this. Are you able to say this? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. As we close this morning, i got to remind you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you've been redeemed. There's redemption for you. There's possibly a rapture for you. There's a return for you. And the rapture, Jesus is going to come for His saints. And the return, He's going to come with His saints. You have these things. You're redeemed. You're restored. You have a rapture. You have righteousness. But while you're here, you need to reach. We need to be reaching the lost, the scoffers, the mockers, the enemies. God's patient, but the day of the Lord will come, is what we just read. If you're in here this morning, brother and sister, let's get to work. And don't close your Bibles yet, because we're getting ready to close, but I want you, I'm going to read one last sentence with you, just to remind us what it's all about, okay? I want you to look at verse 18 in 2 Peter 3. The last verse we read this morning is the last thing we're going to say this morning, because it's what it's all about. We said, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And here you say, here it goes. To Him, brother and sister, to Jesus Christ, be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Let us pray.